0: Everything is energy, even if we see it and it's got mass to it. This is Einstein's theory of relativity equals MC squared, where it's like energy is matter. It's just different compressions of energy. So if you start to compress energy enough, then you can see it. It'll become light or you can hear it. It will become physical matter that we can also touch. And so that means that we also are energy, and it's scientific. If people are thinking like, oh, no, no, that doesn't make sense. No, really, really, we are all energy. Everything is energy.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Connectedness Podcast. Just as you might have guessed, I talk about connection and connectedness on this podcast, our connection with everything in the world around us. Whether you see it or not, we're all connected. And it doesn't matter if it's our dog, our cat, our God, our body. And I'll also talk about some more abstract connections like our career or our land, our community, our emotions, your body. Life is all about connection. So the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we can have an easier, more meaningful life. I will talk about these connections through different lenses, things like synchronicities and coincidences, or just everyday little bits of magic and miracles that we we usually dismiss. It's really important that we pay attention to all of this so we can live an easier, more meaningful life. So welcome to the show. I'm your host, Karen Cleveland. Welcome to the show, Kara Goodwin. How are you today?
0: I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I was, well, listening to the podcast and reading through your webpage and all. And let's start with your podcast right now, just as a point of entry. You have, your podcast name is The Meditation Conversation, which I love because thank you. we love conversations and meditation is a great topic. So why don't you tell me and the listeners a little bit about how you started that and why you started it, and perhaps a little bit how you evolved to that point even.
0: Yeah, I'd be happy to. Thank you. So I started the podcast in 2018, and I'm now like 250 some odd episodes in I started with a co-host. So my friend Alessandra in Sweden, it's funny, we would have these back and forth discussions on WhatsApp, we would leave each other voice memos. And we were both seekers and meditators. We actually started meditating at the same time, like really within like a couple of days of each other, we signed up for this online program and just kind of formed a friendship. And We were sending each other a lot of messages just about life and being mothers and meditating and trying to kind of keep that flame going, inspiring each other. And at one point she was like, we should have a podcast because other people would benefit from being inspired in this way. Yeah, And so we did, we had the podcast together for, I want to say maybe like 40 some episodes we started it as like a, you know, here's how you meditate and and here's how you fit meditation into a modern lifestyle, particularly if you're a parent and you're dealing with lots of life demands. We had both learned meditation from monks. So, you know, it was kind of like, well, we're not living that sort of life. So in some ways it's easier as a monk to dedicate your time to meditation when you don't, you know, you have dedicated your life to that sort of living. So it's kind of like, well, if you're not in that situation, and you've got a lot of demands, what does it look like? So we had a lot like the very early episodes, it's a lot of practical information. And it's a lot of like very meditation focused information. And then Mm -hmm. as it began to evolve, we started to have guests on and it was more what I call tangential. To Mm. meditation. So it wasn't necessarily just about meditation, but it was about people who maybe are on a yogic path or Ayurveda or energy healing or, you know, all mental health and lots of different touch points to meditation, but not specifically around meditation. And then, as I said, like I think around episode 40 something, Alessandra's life, I mean, she was so busy. She had a toddler, single mom, lawyer. I know. So she, she really had a lot going on and we had a six hour time difference. So she didn't, she could, had to really narrow down her focus about what she was going to do with her time and she stepped back. And so I had the choice of like, do I want to keep going or let it go? So I decided to try just doing it on my own and having it be completely interview style. Mm And so that's what I've done for the last, I can never remember if that was 2020, I think it was 2020 that she stopped. So for the last like three years. So it's been really great. I've had so many different diverse guests. We've talked about sound, healing, energy. I've had Neil Donald Walsh on, who's the author of Conversations with God, Krishna Das, who's a Kirtan Mm -hmm. master. Dr. Jill Bolte-Taylor, who's the author of My Stroke of Insight.
1: Fantastic.
0: Yeah, all kinds of really fun topics.
1: That's great. Well, I'm glad you continued with it because it's great information and it's information we need to get out there for people. So you said you studied with monks, you studied meditation. How young were you when you first started meditating even or thinking there was something more that you wanted to meditate?
0: Yeah. Well, I wasn't that young, really. It's just been in the last seven years or so. And the way that it happened, I was very drawn to meditation. Like anytime I came across it, it was always because I've always loved to read, for example, books that talk about unusual things, Mm -hmm. unusual abilities that people have, or miracles, things like that. Have I've always been drawn to those sorts of stories, but I've had a very conventional mainstream life. You know, I am a mother, I'm a wife, I've been in the corporate, like I spent many years yeah. in a fast career track and really didn't question mainstream life at all. But I was very drawn to that type of book or documentary or something where just something unusual was happening, <laughs> paranormal or whatever. Yeah. And meditation cropped up a lot in that, in terms of it was just this sort of important element for people to tap into where they started to experience themselves beyond the sort of human condition, you know? Right. And even like successful business people, you know, as part of their practice, you know, it seemed to be this like mysterious magic key. But I tried it a few times and just didn't didn't get anywhere with it. I just sat there and thought, and I was yeah. like, I know I'm not supposed to be thinking. Why is it so hard for me not to think? Right. And then I would just I would try to develop a practice, but I would know that I was just thinking and thinking and thinking. So I would stop <laughs> because I was very busy, and it was like this doesn't seem like a good use of my time. So I ended up really diving into it when my life came apart. And I guess it's been seven years now, but I had a lot of death and serious illness and accidents happen within my very immediate family, meaning brothers, sisters, parents. And it all happened within like starting in May of that year, my sister-in-law took her life and she had two little children. And that just threw our family into a survival mode. I mean, it was so shocking. And three weeks after that, our dog died. And while this was happening, my stepdad was having an issue in his spinal cord and he needed a a very delicate surgery on that. That was, you know, very, don't want anything to go wrong with that. And we weren't sure what was going to happen with, it took a while to even know what was the problem anyway. So all of that was going on and he had a surgery on that and a rehab and all of that. Then my mother-in-law was hit by a motorbike when she was crossing the street. So she was in the hospital for a long time. And my stepmom's heart was failing. She'd had a heart condition for a long time, but had been doing remarkably well for years to where her doctors would talk about her at conferences and things like that because she was managing it so well with diet and exercise. And suddenly she was not well. She went into the ICU she was at the top of the heart transplant list and then she did get a heart transplant by Thanksgiving of that year so that's just within like my immediate family there was other stuff going on you know we had a one of our groomsmen in our wedding when my husband and I got married years and years ago but close friend was diagnosed with a brain tumor during that time too he actually passed away the following year but you know it's just like everywhere we turned it seemed to be madness And so that was really when I was like, I need something. I felt like I was enjoying life on the surface. I was actually, my family and I were living in Italy at the time for my husband's job. And that was a blessing. And, you know, we also couldn't be near our family while all of this was happening. So I was no longer working at that time. So I was like, okay, I really like now's the time. I have no more excuses I'm going to learn meditation. I really feel like this is fundamental. There's something in here for me and I need something. It was like a a life preserver or something. And so that was when I really got serious about it. And I needed the training. That was the thing because I had kept coming back to it, wanting to just sit there and get into a meditative state automatically. That was how I'd approached it. You know, when it wasn't sticking, and I was like, I'm just thinking the whole time, this doesn't work.
1: (laughs) Right,
0: right. So I found teachings and a group that could actually help me to learn how to do it. And it's, you know, it is a step by step process, and there are methods that can help to be able to quiet that mind rather than just sit there and expect that if that's what you want to do, that's what's going to (laughs) happen.
1: Yeah. And I think that's important for people, but also to hear that you were just sitting there thinking, which isn't meditation, obviously, but sometimes it's good for people just to sit and be quiet for a few minutes like that. Anyhow, so you said the world fell apart around you. I mean, it's crazy, the number of things. And that's really interesting to look at, I suppose, retrospectively. But how did the meditation carry you through that? So you started following these teachings. And how did you feel you benefited from it?
0: That's a great question because when it started, even though I was learning from monks, I had a very secular approach within my heart about it. I was very much like, I'm not sure about the God thing. I wasn't atheist, but I wasn't really sure. It was more that I did believe that there was a God, but I didn't really feel worthy or that, you know, there's so much devastation. Across the planet. There's starvation. There's war. The consciousness that I had at that time was like, there's only so much God to go around. And uh, I'll be fine. You know what oh, I mean? Yeah. I didn't really feel that personal connection or worthiness. And so I really just wanted to know like, okay, how do I control the feeling that I don't want to answer my phone or that I want to hide under the bed when the phone rings? Or, you know, because right. it's always right. bad news. And So, it really just like, I want to feel better. I want to feel less stressed. I want to feel like I used to feel. And so, through meditation, I was able to get to those states in terms of just learning how to calm my mind, which was a big thing. And, you know, honestly, looking back as you're asking me this question, I think part of it too was just having that activity of learning something new. It was opening up this whole world that I was unfamiliar with. There was philosophy behind it too, because of the method that I was using. There was yogic philosophy that went along with it. I was learning about energy. I was learning about frequency. And so to some extent, it was kind of opening up this new unfamiliar world, which gave me a focal point yeah. that wasn't, oh my God, what is going to happen next? Right. You know. But over time- I did develop a much more spiritual aspect to my meditation and open myself up more and more to my spirit and my eternal nature and now it's like that's what my meditation is it's very very spiritual and it's very much about connecting to myself and remembering that I'm more than this human temporary body right. and personality but it took it did take me time to get there so I can't really say that that sort of connection to spirit was really part of that early coping but you know i shared with you before we started that i feel like a bomb's just gone off in my life in the last week and mm-hmm. i've got a mountain to climb is yeah. how i i feel like i'm at the bottom of a mountain and i don't want to climb this mountain yeah. and i have to but this is where now i feel like okay i've spent all these years training and I've been spent all these years learning how to meditate, learning how to control my my nervous system, and learning about the true nature of ourselves as spiritual beings. You know, as eternal beings, and this is where the training comes in. Where it's like, okay, this is there's something in this for me. It's a higher perspective of like, yep, I really, really, really don't want to be in the position that I'm in. And that it's purposeful, like what I'm also curious about, like, how will this play out that it helps somebody down the line or it opens something up that I have never even considered before for me or for other players in this, you know, it just feels like I do have the ability to see opportunity, for lack of a better word, or some bigger picture, even if I don't know exactly what that bigger picture is, or can't even imagine yet what it is. And so that has continued to serve me in that way. And maybe even more so now, from that perspective, than at that time.
1: So you're getting ready to climb this mountain, and you have the training behind you. So I know that you'll know what to do with your meditation. Do you have any ideas for someone that perhaps hasn't been training as long as you have, and they see they have this mountain in front of them as well. Are there any easy tricks to get started? Or is there any way to help calm the body just on the fly when we need help?
0: Yeah, that's a great question. So one of the things that's right there for all of us is the breath and the way that the breath affects the body and the mind. And so when we Take some breaths that move our tummy so we get those deeper breaths that go all the way down into the belly and we can feel the belly expand as we inhale and relax back as we exhale. Just taking some intentional low breaths kicks in our parasympathetic nervous system. And when our parasympathetic nervous system kicks in, it takes us out of fight or flight. It takes us out of the stress response it's a physiological response where the body says, oh, they're relaxed. My person is relaxed. So everything's okay. And it starts changing the chemical reaction within your body, changing the hormone levels. It allows that cellular regeneration to happen. If we're breathing high, which is the automatic stress is okay. that you breathe higher up in your chest, which invokes the sympathetic nervous system. Which is the fight or flight. And our fight or flight is fantastic when we need it. Like if we actually need to run away from something or fight something, you know, we want that survival instinct, but we're not meant to use it all the time. We're meant to use it when we need it. But we're running around in these overstressed states and we're seeing threats in everything. We're seeing threats in the workplace in terms of just like, oh, my God, I have a deadline and my boss is going to yell at me or I'm not going to be a top performer or whatever it is, whatever we're telling ourselves or socially, you know, this person isn't going to like me anymore or whatever our story is. But if we are stressed in any way or have perceived stress, then it's a shallow breath higher up in the chest. That is fight or flight. That is where all of the energy and the life force of the body is going out to the legs and the arms, our extremities, and it's ready for quick action. But that's preventing like our body from doing the cellular regeneration, doing the deeper work, being able to heal And it keeps us out of homeostasis where the body is functioning as it's designed. So that's an easy, low-hanging fruit that's there for everybody. And even if you've already learned about the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system, I find I can't hear it enough because it's so easy to forget. Yeah, And it's like, oh, yes, the breath, breathe in the (laughs) belly. That's like magic.
1: You know, I think that's great. And I don't think I've ever heard anyone explain the science of it before about kicking in the parasympathetic nervous system. And that makes sense. So we tell people, okay, take a deep breath, but we don't really know why. We right. just tell them to do that. Right. Right.
0: It's part of our conventional wisdom that's just been passed down through the ages, but a child comes to you and they can't form their words. And they're like, so frantic Because there's so much going on and they just can't spit everything out. And what do we say? Hold on, take a deep breath. Yeah. You know, we know it within ourselves, but yeah, having the understanding of what science has found to catch up with. Why is why does that make us feel better? Can kind of
1: amplify the effects when we need it. Right. Yeah. That's great. So any recommendations on a length of time or even just one breath is good. I would do it for,
0: I mean, if you're really feeling stressed, give yourself a couple of minutes to just tune into the breath and just, you know, keep bringing your awareness back to the breath. You know, if your mind starts to get hooked in again of like, wait a minute, we've got to worry about this. Don't forget about this. Yeah, That's just your mind that, and it's, it's these patterns. We've got these like patterns that are like grooves in our consciousness that, that we can fall back into these grooves and get back into that worry if we want to, but there's so much to do with choice and intentionality, but choosing to say, this is my time with my breath that can wait, you know, it can wait two right. minutes while I gather myself and get right. back into feeling good for a moment.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Two minutes is, you know, it's just something and it's, yeah. it's really important. So you also talk a little bit about energy and frequency and our body and why that's important. Do you want to touch on that a little bit?
0: Yeah. So everything is energy, even if we see it and it's got mass to it. This is Einstein's theory of relativity equals MC squared, where it's like energy is matter. It's just different compressions of energy. So if you start to compress energy enough, then you can see it, it'll become light, or you can hear it, it will become physical matter that we can also touch. And so that means that we also are energy. And, you know, this it's scientific, if people are thinking like, Oh, no, no, that doesn't make sense. No, really, really, we are all energy, everything is energy. And When we bring frequency into it, frequency is the rate that the energy is flowing at. So if we think of these waves, like if you've seen the light spectrum, for example, if you've seen like a graph of the light spectrum where it's energy waves going up and down and like, you know, you see what red looks like in a wave and it's slower, it's like longer waves than purple, you know, purple's like tighter, it's Mm -hmm. just higher and it's closer together. And so that has to do with the frequency. It just, frequency is just like how many waves are we getting over the course of a wave? And so there's okay. higher frequency okay. and there's lower frequency. Okay. And as we are kind of evolving from an energy perspective, we are increasing our frequency. So again, if you want to think of it as waves, we are becoming higher waves. And we can think of waves just as information. It's just like more is coming in at one time. Again, if you think of like, if a wave is slow and long, there's not as much happening over the course of that time as when it's shorter. And So higher frequency is what happens as we evolve as a being. So as our consciousness expands, as we let go of what are generally known as the lower frequency, lower vibrational aspects of being human. So things like fear. Fear gets us into a lower vibration. It slows us down. It holds us back. Anger also is one of those low frequency. Sadness, all of those things. When you're not feeling good, when you're feeling triggered, or upset, or just off, your frequency has dropped. And when you're feeling joyful and elated and inspired and creative, you're riding a higher frequency. And and we aren't necessarily one frequency. I mean, we do oscillate, we Mm -hmm. move, you know, we're dynamic and things change. And at this point, because of my practice, and because I've done so much immersion into frequency and energy and so forth. I mean, I can feel when my energy has dropped, my frequency has dropped, and we want to give ourselves grace through those times too, where it's like, okay, yeah. I'm in it, and I don't feel great, and so for me, it's like rather than being like, uh-oh, this is bad, okay, I've got to get happy, get happy, so I'm right. gonna be okay, you know, and it's like, yeah, I don't want to go into a downward spiral where I let the tide take me away. But I also need to honor who I am, what is happening, let myself feel the feelings and process what's happening without thinking that it's bad to feel overwhelmed or upset or nervous or whatever it is. It's like a recognition like, oh, okay, yeah, I feel this. I feel yeah. it. Like my heart hurts. I'm scared, whatever it is. But it's not Holding on to that. It's not like, okay, this is who I am now. Right. You know, it's like, okay, I feel that. I know what that feels like. It's okay. Process. I mentioned that I've had on the podcast Dr. Jill Bolte Taylor and her research. She's a Harvard trained neurologist, not neuroscientist. I can't remember exactly what the title is, but she's done a lot of brain research, which she was already studying the brain at Harvard when she had her stroke at
1: 37.
0: It's a fascinating story. But Uh, I've seen her TED Talk. Yeah, it is
1: fascinating. Very fascinating.
0: Yeah, my stroke of insight. And she's got, like you said, great TED Talk. She has studied the cycle of emotion when there's a new event that happens. And I haven't looked at it for a while, so hopefully I'm accurate. But it's like 90 seconds. The chemical process that happens in the body to feel the feeling and for it to work its way through our body and Mm. out. Again, I want to say it's 90 seconds. It's somewhere around there. And then that chemical response has completed. It's when we keep going back and identifying with it and bringing it back into the present moment. So something that's already happened, we've already addressed the tiger or the, you know, whatever it is. Right. So all of that, when we keep feeling that continuous stress and that continuous, like sadness or whatever, it's because we are choosing to go back into the past and reconnect with it and get back into that groove that we Mm -hmm. talked about Mm -hmm. where, okay, this is that I'm wearing this groove, I'm in this groove, and I'm just going to, that's what I'm going to focus on. And So it's this balance of like, oh, okay, really feeling the feelings, letting them process. It It is important to let that happen rather than to just say, nope, I don't feel sad. I've evolved beyond (laughs) overwhelm or sadness or anger. You know, it's like sometimes this is part of the human experience. So it's being authentic about, okay, I am, I'm feeling something here, recognizing it, letting it happen, but then- the maturity comes in not continuing to go back to it over and over so that it, there's this over identification with it or there's this over like clutching to this thing that already happened or that may never happen if we're projecting into
1: yeah. the future might never happen we do that a lot don't we i have to say you are a fantastic teacher you lay oh, these principles you. out there so easily that I think they make sense to people who are just learning about this. So that's fantastic. Thank oh, you. Thank for doing you so that.
0: much. That's yeah. such a compliment.
1: Yeah. But getting back to that feeling, you know, sometimes I know it's like, oh, I just don't like today. And I know yes. that I could evolve out of it or get myself out of it. But sometimes we just want to sit in there and just feel our grumpiness and, and being <laughs> mad at the world for a few <laughs> minutes or maybe a day or two or whatever it is. And then it's like, okay. I'm past it now.
0: I had that, uh, you know, last week with one particular day that was just a hard day. It was such a hard day, but I noticed that I started looking for other reasons that it was wrong. You yeah. know, I was like, "This day is the worst." And then I was like, "What else has happened?" Because I wanted to like <laughs> prove to myself, like, "Yeah, and yeah. it's even worse because I ran out of toothpaste, right. or whatever yeah. I could get my hands on." You know, it was like this yeah. day just is for the birds and. Whatever it is, but it's like, oh, that's interesting. That I want to be even more right. Yep. yep. And it's about something that I wish wasn't happening. Exactly. But so we also <laughs> want to be aware of that because that can happen where we just we want to tell ourselves this story, and it's like, wait, am I actually like trying to focus on more bad things? You know, and I was. I right. totally caught myself doing that.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I guess that's the same idea of a gratitude practice is proving ourselves right. So, you know, if we see something that's good, we want to find more that's good to back up our brain. That's great. Thank you. I love that. So which actually brings me to the difference between the mind and the brain, because sometimes I use them synonymously and they're Mm -hmm. not really. I mean, one's a physical thing. But anyways, why don't you tell us the difference between the mind and the brain?
0: Yeah, this is something that I read in a book called, I think it was, oh, I wish I could remember. I think the author was Dr. Larry Dosser, something like that, but it was about prayer and he had done research on prayer and it was a really beautiful book about the power of prayer. But he made this point about the difference between the mind and the brain that I had never considered before, but he was talking about, we use those interchangeably, as you said, but really the mind is more like our awareness and we correlate that with the brain, but they're actually two different things. And he talked about the brain being more like a receiver or a filter where like the mind in one theory is that like the mind is this thing that's not even ours, only ours. It's this field of consciousness, of energy. And the brain is filtering what all this huge, enormous amount of data that is in the mind that we share. We all share this mind. And the brain, you can, again, think of it as like a filter. So like what we actually become aware of is like what the brain is making us aware of. Or that it's like a receiver, like a the way that we have a radio, and we turn it to a certain dial, which, of course, the radio uses frequency. That's what uh-huh. those numbers are. But it's like the brain, depending on how it's dialed in, changes what it gets from the mind or what it perceives from the mind. And so I was like, it just flipped everything I had considered because yeah. I always thought they were the same thing. I think there's another way to look at it, too, that's not so collective, because that type of explanation talks about a collective consciousness, which is like there's just this field of invisible information, and then our mind is filtering it or receiving it. But there is, I believe, more of a localized mind as well, but it doesn't just live in our brain. It encompasses our body, and that's where... When we can start to tune into that, we notice that we're getting clues outside of like our thoughts and outside of our brain. Our body's giving us clues about things. We may step into a room and have like a certain feeling yeah. of attraction or repulsion from either the space or the people who are there. We don't have like a an intellectual reason for that. It's not right. like oh yeah, I know that something bad is happening here because I can see it with my eyes or you know I, I have some sort of intellectual understanding. It's just like, whoa, I don't like it here for some reason, or I feel nauseous, or I just yeah. feel like I need to leave, or I feel tired or whatever it is where it's like, I am not in harmony with this right. place for some reason. And I don't know right. why. I just know that I don't feel right. And so that would be more of like an individualized mind concept that is beyond our brains. Whereas our brains, it's more like thoughts, it's more of the rational, kind of linear Mm -hmm. type of thinking. Mm -hmm. But the mind, I believe, is broader and it's more connected to an awareness and a consciousness that's not local
1: to the brain. Yeah. Oh, I so resonate with that. And I had forgotten, now that you mentioned that, I think either Dr. Eben Alexander or someone he was working with on a book talks about the brain being a filter as well, And but I can't remember who it was exactly, that I've heard that idea and I've forgotten about it. I would actually love to explore this further in consciousness and intuition and all that, but maybe a different show will have to go down a different route for this, but (laughs) I do want to wrap this up a little bit. So, this is all so wonderful and fascinating. And I know you have fantastic guests on your show. So, probably we could listen to your podcast and get all the information we need. But why don't you let my listeners know where to find your podcast, where to find you? How do you work with people? I mean, what kind of work do you do?
0: Yeah, thank you. Well, I have a a membership where I, I meet with people regularly. We meditate together about once a week. We have wisdom talks where we discuss things like what you and I have talked about today. And it's just a way to think in a bigger way, in a more holistic kind of spirit. You know, how does this relate to spirit way? And so that's called The Healing Hearth. And people can find out about that on Caragoodwin.com. And I have an online self-study Learn to Meditate program so that if people don't have a meditation practice or they've tried it and they have the same problems that I had where you know it doesn't seem to work, it's just sitting there and thinking this lays out a method and, and gives a lot of explanation of why we do certain things. And so it's designed to allow you to integrate a meditation practice into your life easily because we're all we're all busy. we're not all monks. So and then like you say, I have the podcast, which is meditation conversation that can be found on all the platforms. I'm trying to be better about being on YouTube. My channel there is the meditation conversation. but I still it's just hard for me to remember to put my videos <laughs> out there and I'm on Instagram, Kara underscore Goodwin underscore meditation. So I'm out there.
1: You are out there. And I know occasionally you do some retreats, maybe next year you'll do another retreat. So yeah, that's fantastic. So of course, all the links will be on the show notes page. So if you're driving and can't write anything down, you can look at the show notes later. Well, thank you so much. I really love our conversation today. So much to think about and so understandable. So thank you so much for being here with us today.
0: Thank you for having me. This has been such a joy. I really appreciate it.
1: If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to head over to revkarenpodcast.com. That's R-E-V-K-A-R-E-N podcast.com. There you're going to find the tools for finding more meaning and happiness in your own life. Plus, if you have a story that you want to share with me, either on or off the air, be sure to look for that form. Make sure you follow me so you get notified when new episodes drop. And also, I'd love to connect with you in my Facebook group, connectedness with Rev. Karen. So head over to Rev. Karen podcast.com. I hope to see you there.